Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 196 of the pod. Before we get into it, make sure you like, subscribe, five-star rate and review wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell so you know every time a new episode drops. And we will jump into this episode right away. There was a lot in the news, so I want to touch on everything, starting with the market update. The last two days of the market have been kind of a whirlwind. Um, the Fed came out with their commentary and the market seemed to like it because the Fed hinted at potentially stopping the interest rate hikes. These last two days, we've seen a f- decent jump in the market. Uh, last five days, it's today it's up you know, 1.5% uh, halfway through the day, a little less than halfway through the day. Last five days this past week because of yesterday's jump, um, nearing on you know 3.6% increase um, and again, this jump is based on yesterday's commentary from the Fed. So let's go a little bit into what was said yesterday. Um, you know, a lot of it is the Fed saying they're going to keep interest rates unchanged for the second straight time. So second straight month, keeping interest rates unchanged. I mean, they didn't raise, um, they didn't cut, they kept it unchanged. And a lot of that is traders um, piling in because they feel um, like, it's it's a more of a dovish statement from the Fed. That doesn't mean that they won't raise rates, which they did say in their commentary that we could raise rates again. Um, and let's actually get um, a little bit of understanding of what they said. They said the rates remain unchanged. They were stern on the talking points that they may raise rates further. Um, and they're continuing to say, which is not you know potentially true, but they're continuing. The Fed is continuing to say that there's no recession in sight. Um, and they're absolutely committed to a 2% inflation goal, absolutely committed to a 2% inflation goal. And they're willing to see lower GDP, meaning gross domestic product, um, gross to lower GDP, gross domestic product, and higher unemployment. So they're willing to see slow down the economy, higher unemployment to get to this 2% inflation. Uh, they're saying no recession in sight, which again, people think that's counterintuitive because if you're going to slow down the economy, usually... You don't have the levers to slow it down just enough to lower inflation and not push uh, us into a recession, which, again, is something that more than likely is going to happen, at least a severe slowdown in the economy. Um, So that was the comments yesterday being Wednesday. Um, And people still think there's going to be volatility in the market. I believe that as well, Um, even though we're seeing this crazy bounce the last couple of days. um, It may be people just catching the falling knife because I do think there will be um, more volatility to come in the coming months, potentially. So that's the big thing on the market. Again, as you see from the chart, the last month we had pretty much, we were you know in a downward trend the last month, except these last um, couple of days, we've kind of been really marking a lot of buyers came in. Um, a lot of buyers came in, in in October, October 27th. So last week, we're seeing a lot of buyers come in, last couple few trading days, Again, the Fed's commentary was yesterday, um, and we're seeing those effects right now. So again, it, it, it's it might be just a dead cap bounce. We'll, we'll see. Um, but again, a lot of traders jumping in on this opportunity now. Um, but again, I don't think this rally lasts forever. Um, moving on, we're going to jump into current events so far. Big one was Disney is going to buy comcast hulu stake so disney will own hulu all right before i think they owned uh what was that they owned 67 percent um or they owned a decent percentage 
Um, they're going to buy out Comcast's remaining 33% stake in Hulu, and it's going to be for 8.61 billion. It's a deal that industry analysts have long predicted. Is Disney's looking to booster, bolster, excuse me, its streaming business and streamline its traditional broadcast networks? Um, so they bought for 8.6 billion um, the remaining 33. Uh, percent stake which roughly values hulu at what that 26 billion dollars um so who looking at a 26 billion dollar valuation um quite interesting um i'm actually curious what netflix market cap is and i would love to see so if you're for the listeners we're looking up Netflix market capitalization, which is 180 billion. So 185 billion, excuse me, after today, today's jump. Um, 185 billion for Netflix market cap and Hulu, roughly value of 26 billion. So that makes sense. Netflix is a way bigger platform. I don't know their user numbers offhand, but we're gonna talk about Netflix here in a little bit. So that's a deal that again Disney likes because they want to streamline, they want to be DTC, they want to have a a total control over a streamer that they can add content to. Um, so a deal, a 2019 deal between um, the firms at the base value of Hulu at 27.5 billion. Uh, Hulu CEO said it's um, way more valuable today. So this is going to be interesting. They just purchased the full kitten caboodle um and we'll see how this plays out again streamers are gonna have to battle for content for eyeballs um which is a big big thing i want to get to the netflix news because um it makes sense so netflix says that 15 million monthly active users are opting for its advertising supported plan an update that comes one year after the plan's solely closely watched launch remember netflix went to a tier where they've always never had commercials uh, but then they went to a tier that people could have advertising supported for lesser cost um and so the number uh disclosed wednesday alongside new ad related features represents a significant bump from may when that netflix said roughly 5 million users were choosing the ad tier so again um in a different consumer environment people are choosing to pay less just to have a little bit of ads and netflix says they like that they have this ad tier um it's bringing in people and users they said it wasn't much of a churn from um, they're active users, but it's bringing in a lot of different people just because of the lower price point, I would assume. Um, so they said they also swapped out their advertising chief, Jeremy Gorman, in favor of a company veteran, Amy Reinhard. Um, so swap at the management, but they're saying that they added um, 15 million users to the ad supported tier. Some of them are, again, are going to be churned from other tiers, but some not. So that's a good, good thing for them. Um, on the back of Disney buying the, the whole stake in Hulu. Switching from streaming, now we're talking Gen Z, the younger generation. They don't care about status goods, it looks like. There's a report that says de designer purchases were once a rite of passage, but young adults have flipped the script and appear as content with lookalikes as with luxury logos. About 31% of adults have purchased a dupe or a less expensive duplicate of a premium product, CNBC reports. A figure that's sourced to 44% and 49% among members of Gen Y and Gen Z. Um, so for now, it's TikTok driving dupe mania with nearly 6 billion videos on the topic. But brands are keeping tabs on the trends for signs 
It's transcending the app and appealing to older shoppers too. So younger shoppers like, hey, I don't have the money to buy XYZ brand. I'm just going to buy a duplicate, a lookalike, a fake, a phony. Um, and they're going to do that. And it, you know, I, I get it with all these brands that you could mostly tell, especially for watches and different things that you could definitely tell. Um, I don't know much about, you know, the clothing thing, how you can tell in that area. Um, but they're doing it. Um, and again, as consumers feel more and more pain, you probably see this start to rise because they don't want to pay the X amount for the real thing. They're going to buy the fake duplicate. Um, and again, apparently under younger generations, I don't know if they have people age out of that, but it seems to be more on the younger generation who, of course, their income is going to be more than likely less at the time, but will grow over time. They're okay with it. The younger generation is saying, we're okay with buying the duplicate. We don't want to give our money to these big brands. We're going to buy the duplicate. Um, and we're sticking with the consumer. Consumer, um, Airbnb is predicting weaker demand. Again, we've talked about demand slowdown. So Airbnb, um, they had a record travel season, but they're forecasting a slowdown in the fourth quarter uh, with expected revenue below analyst estimates. So their third quarter revenue was up 18% year over year. They just reported. The company says that net income was also $4.3 billion, but a majority came from one-time tax, one time tax benefit. Um, they had a 14% increase in bookings, particularly for urban and international travel uh, that fueled revenue or revenue growth. But they cited greater volatility and geopolitical conflicts as headwinds for the end of the year. So they're saying that, okay, we have greater volatility, geopolitical conflicts. I think it's just more consumer weakening, but they don't want to say that because that will really drive the stock price down. But the consumer weakening is more than likely another part of the reason contributing to reasons why they're forecasting slower demand in the last and final quarter of 2023. Um, yeah, and, and if you look at even more, um, the IPO, oh, the IPO in 2021. Yeah, it's just gotta be a consumer. A consumer is feeling the, the hit. I think of course there's other things that play a factor to it, but that's the major reason if you ask me. Um, but that's something to watch out because they're a good bait gauge and barometer of what's going on with the consumer. Because again, travel is a leisure product for most. Um, and if you're traveling, it's because there's extra income, extra different things. Um, and, and that's, you know, more than likely they're good bellwether for what's going on with the, the consumer. So another good bellwether we talked about it last time, let's dive more into the fed and the hint at enter rate hikes. Um, they said they're going to keep rates steady for the second straight time Wednesday. Um, and it's been an aggressive rate cycle. The range for the benchmark target is that the Fed left the range for its benchmark target at 525 to 5.5%, which Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying slowing down is giving us, I think, a better sense of how much more we need to do if we need to do more. Um, so there's been a recent run-up in long-term interest rates, um, which is sometimes bearish. Um but the Fed's price favorite price gauge has fallen from its peak pandemic peak was 7% to 2.8% annualized rate in the first quarter. Um, price stability is what they're aiming to do. Again, that 2% inflation rate and the kept rate study, you're going to see more credit, harder to get credit, harder for people to meet their credit obligations right now. More delinquencies, more repos, all these different things are playing a part in the economy. And I think that's another reason why they kept the rates steady. They're getting data that's showing that there is a bit of a slowdown um, in the economy right now. So big, big news there 
um, on, on the economy and what the Fed is doing. More news. I, I, we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, but this CVS and Walgreens workers are walking out of pharmacies because they're stretched thin. They're organizing uh, walkouts called Farmageddon um, after, after, after estimating that thousands of workers clocked out from Monday to Wednesday. Um, they walked off their job to protest that um, they're just overworked. They're demanding bigger paychecks. Again, this is another strike that we've talked about. A lot of people are doing it. One store manager said that their pharmacy fills 450 prescriptions in a typical day. Around half have to be counted out pill by pill and administers 45 vaccines per shift. Um, so they're saying that they're getting really, really hit hard with higher costs, higher pay, all these different things, excuse me, higher costs, lower pay, all these different things um, that are playing a part in, in how they um, feel they're stretched thin. So again, we've talked about these strikes that are happening and happening more and more frequency. And here's another company, here's another employer, employees that are taking to that strike. Um, and so that's something to watch going forward. Another thing to watch, we work, you've probably seen the documentary, you've probably heard the company. They are filing for bankruptcy as soon as, I think they already did. They might've been this week. Uh, remember, this is a company that was valued at $48 billion potentially prior to AP, oh, IPO. They were going to IPO and they were about $48 billion valuation that all fell through. And I think they're now saying they're roughly valued. I couldn't, I don't have the exact number, so I don't want to guesstimate, but it's very, very, very starkly low from its peak. Again, they lost nearly 98% of its value since 2019, right? So <laughs> this is a company that has seen a stark turnaround, just a, again, this is the bag that retailers would have been left holding had the company gone public and everybody just going off of hype headlines. I want to buy stock at WeWork or I'm, I mean, we work like, again, it's all hype and, and stuff that wasn't real. Um, and, and it shows now with the file for bankruptcy. Um, another company that said they were struggling was match. Their shares hit a record low after Tinder and hinge said slower revenue. Matt says singles are spending less on subscription and inflation weighs on swipe, but just the people are canceling that subscription to match, which would be Tinder or hinge. Um, as things get a little bit different, a little bit different. Um, that's something to watch as well. We've talked about the consumer multiple, multiple times and something to watch. McDonald's and Chipotle are passing the California $20 an hour minimum wage hike on to customers. So California is apparently, Governor Newsom is signing a bill that will hike fast food workers minimum hourly wage to $20 an hour in California starting in April. That'll make the state's fast food workers the highest paid in their industry nationwide. Chipotle currently pays its California employees $17 an hour, but CFO and the chain said they'll definitely pass the 3% increase on to customers as a mid to high single digit price increase. So they're going to increase our burrito bowls because they're increasing the pay to workers. McDonald's said the same thing. They embraced the new minimum minimum because it replaced leg, uh, legislation that would have formed government appointed councils to oversee the fast food industry. So, of course, companies have to pass that cost on. They don't just eat that cost because it cuts into margin. So they pass it on by raising prices of their goods and their food. And that's what they plan to do there. Um, so, yeah, that's something to, to really watch. You're going to see that all across the board with these with these strikes that we keep talking about. When they come to deals and they close them and they come to the end of the negotiation, someone has to eat the bill. 
Um, and it's usually, usually the customer at the end of the day. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Detroit, the auto strike, um, auto workers, United auto workers, that's going to end after six weeks. Um, again, the big manufacturing companies are looking to had EVs, but the United auto workers reached a tentative labor deal with GM yesterday after making similar agreements with Ford, um, and other companies, um, the new contracts include a 25% wage hike over four years, more than workers have received in the past 22 years combined, and the return of inflation-proof cost of living adjustments. Um, 32-hour work week um, wasn't achieved during the strike. The United Auto Workers escalated the number of walkouts, targeting some of the most profitable plants. The 13-member strike grew to 40k percent, 40k, 40,000 of the union's 146,000 members. So, um, again, these unions, they will or co coordinate and organize the strikes. Um, and most of the members, it seemed like a little less than half or like one third of the members in this particular strike were walking out and holding out while some of them people still worked. It's a hard, you know, decision to make. If you're a union member to strike, are you going to cross the picket line fence? Are you going to not? But, you know, the union will look at you sideways if you don't, but you know, you could be face retribution or retaliation from your employer if you do um, but it's just a hard line to draw for yourself in those situations, but everyone has to make their own decision. It looks like this one worked out for them because they are now getting a deal done. Another person that got a deal done is Kim Kardashian and Skims. One, they lodged Skims for Men with Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, Neymar, and Shai Gilgris, um, OKC player for the non-sports fans. NBA player. So football player, soccer player, player, and NBA player. And now they're the official underwear brand of the WM of the NBA and the WNBA. The team up will give prime marketing opportunities to Skim's new men's line as a shapewear brand expands with its $4 billion valuation. So that's what they say. We know Kim and another member of her family being Kylie uh, billionaires because of these brands. Um, clothing brands and makeup brands that they've created under their big, larger Kardashian brand. Um, so that's how they get to where they at, uh, where they're at with those valuations. And they've, in Kim and Kylie have both sold a portion of their company to larger holding companies that bought, you know, I think it was both fifty-one percent for hundreds of millions of dollars, which gave them that billion-dollar valuation. So that's interesting to watch, and we'll have to keep an eye on it. That might be all we have for news today. It was a heavy news day. The last thing was Peloton. They reported wider than expected quarterly losses, that a tepid holiday forecast, um, and they didn't have good page subscriptions. I'm saying this one because, again, I've been bearish on Peloton for a bit, and we're dealing with Peloton on our own. We're dealing with customer service for Peloton, me and my fiance, and it's not been great. Our own Peloton, um, we're trying to get them to fix. It's been a battle struggle, not a great experience, but you see why they're losing funds, um, just generally speaking, because it's just not a great customer experience. But um, the company itself just had a lot of demand during the pandemic, but that demand's got kind of dried up. Um, and so we're seeing that in full effect for the company um, and a stock that hasn't done great um, over the course of you know, the last couple of years. I'm actually curious what they've done year to date. So we'll take a look at the chart for those watching. Year to date down 40% when again, the market, or excuse me, 36% when again, the market's done roughly 12%, the S&P 500. So something to watch there. 
but we'll go into questions of the week. I think it was a good one this week. We have new, fresh questions. Um, the first one being, let's pull up our questions of the week. This is a good one. What percent of gig workers? So, you know, gig workers, whether Uber Eats, different things of like that, earn more than half of their income from gig activities. Um, 12% of gig workers say they earn more than half of their income from gigs over the prior month and even lower. 6% said they've earned at least 90% of their income from gig activities. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So it doesn't take up the whole of their income. They do other things. Um, and it's actually, they just, a lot of it's just a side hustle, it seems like, because only 12% earn more than half their income from gig activities. So Uber drivers, any of those things are gig activities. So interesting to note that. For the drivers out there, what percent of the cost to drive a new car is the fuel cost? I would say what? Uh, uh, what is it? Gas these days. Was it like? I don't even know. Two, three hundred bucks a month. Um, so in that car, yeah. So it's roughly like 20, 30 percent, I would say. Um, fuel, close, 20 percent. The annual cost, roughly two, twenty three hundred. Um, depreciation cost, finance can cost. Um, fuel 23%. So the highest is depreciation, meaning the depreciation of the vehicle. License and registration taxes, 6.2%. Maintenance repairs, 12%. So yeah, it's the second highest cost outside of the depreciation of the value. Um, and it is 20%, roughly, if you round up. So I was close there again. All right. So that is a pretty interesting question. This is the breakdown. I have a good chart here that breaks down roughly what the costs are. And I actually want my people to see this if they're on YouTube. Uh, really good chart here that breaks it down. Um, so yeah, that that's a really, really good chart. Um, folks, this is a great, great Your Money Life podcast. Make sure you share, like, subscribe, review, pass this on to family and friends. We are doing a personal finance 101 class for women, for specific women. I'm going to be passing out to specific niche clients in the New Street um, community to pass this on to non-clients, um, cause we'll be doing a monthly every Friday, last Friday of the month, personal finance webinar for women, um, for new street, new new street community members, potentially be on the lookout for that. Thank you for listening. And of course, of course, of course, we will talk next week.